Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Somebody shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Come on, let's shout unto God. Let's, let's give God praise for his word. Give God praise for what he has already said to us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Brother Godair. It is indeed an honor to be in this conference and a double honor to be asked to speak. And I trust that we can say something that will add to what has already been so graciously and powerfully preached in this meeting this week. I have been extremely blessed and encouraged, challenged, and I'm truly, truly thankful for what we have heard. Some messages like we just heard and what we have heard Wednesday night and then all day yesterday uh, that it reminds me of, of uh, the reality that sometimes when you read scripture, uh, the Holy Ghost, or you hear it preached, the Holy Ghost will use that to stir us and to search us. But on the other hand, there are occasions and times when the enemy will take a scripture and he will abuse it to cause us to stumble through confusion, through misunderstanding of the word of God. And I appreciate men who can grace the pulpit with wisdom and anointing, with knowledge of the word of God, and take the scriptures that the enemy's using and abusing to cause us to stumble and take those same scriptures and preach victory into our heart. Hallelujah. But I believe that where we are in Pentecost today and the times that we're currently living in and things that we're hearing that are taking place in various parts of our our movement, uh, men that are making an effort to remove the stumbling blocks in Scripture, the problem is that oftentimes they're doing it at the expense of the landmark. Amen. We cannot be guilty of moving, removing the stumbling block, and at the same time moving the landmarks. Amen. we got to hang on to the landmarks. And that's what's been going on this week. Amen. There's been no challenge to the landmark, but there's been a challenge to the enemy. Don't take the book and use it against the people of God. Hallelujah. I don't want to disturb the landmarks while I'm removing the stumbling blocks. Thank God for this wonderful truth. Aren't you glad you know Jesus and the power of the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah. And, and I want to just echo the comments of uh, those brethren that have already been in the pulpit. First of all, to Bishop Godair and Sister Godair, my wife and I have enjoyed uh, wonderful times of fellowship with them. And uh, being with them preaching in this pulpit, uh, and in fact, I have memories 
uh, of preaching on this property in 1970 in the little building outside. I was 17 years old, uh, an evangelist. And uh, this little building, the original building in 1970, I preached. This was before my wife and I even got married. As a matter of fact, they teased me, the pastor and his wife, because every day I made the walk from the house down to the highway where the mailbox was because I was looking for a letter from my sweetheart. Whoa, hallelujah. Amen. You got to stop right now. Be waxing romantic here in just a few moments. I, I got a letter almost every day, and uh, so she's with me to May, today, and not only my sweet wife, but also my children. Uh, all of them are not here, but I have two of my children and their families, my grandchildren, and uh, I'm certainly happy to have them, but uh, going all the way back, I mean, who would have thought, and I know I never thought in 1970 that in process of time, 2014, this is where we would be today. Isn't God a good God? I'll tell you why, because I'm still here. Amen. I had left. And so uh, we are honored to be here. And all the other brethren that have preached, every single man has just done an outstanding job. Uh, from Brother Tiller, a dear friend of mine, and uh, Brother uh, Brother. Hood, but the Jason Hood, I knew him when he was a snotty-nosed kid, and I preached for his daddy back before he even thought about preaching, and uh, now I see him developing. I'm going to tell you, I, I preached in the past two years, I preached in some 64 churches, uh, some of them I've been back to twice, three times. I don't have a bad report. I just don't have a bad report. Uh, the, the, the apostolic movement has got some men, Jason Hood and, and Kevin Archer and men that are here in this house, young men, men in the next generation that are holding the banner of truth high. I thank God for that. I don't have a bad report. I'm happy for what I'm seeing. So happy. Amen. And for the Sutton, wow. And you know what would amaze me? Is he did that. I, I watched him. He was 45 minutes into that before he ever wiped his brow with his handkerchief. Never loosed his tie. Uh, how God does that. It's just too dignified. It's just too dignified. Well, that was incredible preaching. Loved it. And the last night, Brother Wilson, I leaned over to Brother Wilson about two-thirds of the way for Brother uh, Archer's preaching this morning. I said, you reckon there's an empty seat on the beside you because he's he's leaving right now. He's flying out. And I was inquiring as to maybe I could just fly with him. But uh, since uh, since we couldn't get that arranged quick enough, then uh, let's go to the Word of God. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. I was, my heart went to my shoes whenever Brother Tiller announced Mark chapter 4 on Wednesday night and I thought I'm in trouble. And then I realized he was in the chapter previous uh, to the one I'm reading from today. This is what I have felt, and uh, I am walking down a path I have walked before. As a matter of fact, uh, Bishop Puckett this morning uh, greeted me and, and, uh, and made reference to our time today. And I said, well, uh, pray for me. I said, I, 
I will tell you, we're probably walking down a path we've been down before. He, he helped my feelings. He said, Brother Bass, don't worry about that. He said, that's how you make a path. You just keep walking in the same place. So we're going to walk down this path. And I, I really feel this in the Holy Ghost for this meeting. And I hope that I can be a blessing. I know that I'm what stands between you and dinner, lunch, whatever you call it. Uh, but but I'm, I'm going to eat also. So uh, let's just ride for a few more moments. Verse 1, And they came over into the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains. The chains had been plucked asunder, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. Always night and day he was in the mountains and the tombs crying, cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them out of the country. Now there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. All the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled, told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to your friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for you and has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. Praise God. One more time. Let's give God a great praise offering. Let's worship him. Honor him right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. God bless you. You can be seated. I'm going to withhold my title for a few moments. Uh, but I am convinced by scriptural precedent that there are two manners in which God performs his work on earth or that uh, God is moved to work. I believe that God, first of all, will do a sovereign work because he is a sovereign God. He does sovereign work. He works after the counsel of his own will. And then I believe that there are times that God will work in response to the cry of his people. 
And so when you read Isaiah 43 and 13, the Lord said, Yea, before the day was I am he, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work. And who shall let it or who shall hinder it? And so I believe that God does do great works that are born in his will. And he intends to perform the work that he has designed to do. But then the writer of Second Chronicles 7, 13 and 14, If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. God does respond to the cry of his people. The Lord will respond to your worship. He will respond to your prayer. However, I believe that herein lies the struggle that you and I encounter from time to time. When we are in need, and when we know that we are in need then we know what we need to do. We know that we need to cry out to God. We understand that we're in, a, we're in a crisis. We're in a struggle. We're going through a great trial. We're having problems. And, and we understand that we need God to help us. We need God to make the difference in our life. And so it is that in the midst of our circumstance, we pray because we know by faith, that if we seek God, then we can expect God to respond to our cry. We, can, we know that whenever we are fighting for our very soul's sake, for our very life, then we know that God is going to help us. That's why that we've heard the preaching that we've heard already today. God will respond to our need. Amen. But. When God is desiring to do a sovereign work, I am convinced that it requires a higher measure, a higher level of spiritual sensitivity to recognize what is going on in the spirit realm. When God wants to move by his spirit and he wants to do great things, uh, and sometimes uh, we don't even recognize uh, that we need what God desires to do. He's setting the stage. He's putting things in motion. And sometimes uh, we don't recognize that God is in the process of doing something mighty. Amen. I want to be in a spiritual frame of mind that when the Holy Ghost is beginning to function and operate and move among the saints of God and in the kingdom of God that I tap into, that I can sync up with what the Holy Ghost is wanting to do and be, be able to realize the great work that God wants to accomplish. Amen. I believe that Daniel understood in his time that there was a sovereign work about to take place. And his desire was to not be left out. Because he said in Daniel 2, uh, 9, 2, and 3, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet. 
that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Here is a man who was saying, I tapped into an understanding. I got a hold of the fact that the time is right. The hour is at hand. There is about to be a great deliverance from the bondage of the Babylonian Empire. There's going to be a remnant that is going to go back home. I want to be a part of that remnant. God, if you're about to do something, if you are about to perform a great work, then all I'm asking is don't leave me out. Don't leave me out. Hallelujah. I don't know how you feel today, but whatever God is going to do in the last days, don't leave me out, Jesus. Oh, let's praise Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We can be in such a state of mind that we fail to realize that there's a great spiritual work at hand. Consequently, rather than seizing the moment, we lose the moment. I am convinced, I am still convinced, that no matter the state of the world that we live in, I have to believe that the darker it is out there, the brighter the light shines. I have to believe that where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. I have to believe that as the enemy of our time rises up in these last days, there is going to be a matching and overwhelming response by God to what's going on in the world that we live in. Amen. Genesis chapter 1. Everything that God did, he said, it's good. It's good. It starts out by being good. But when you get to the book of Revelation, everything changes. It's not just good. It's great. Great tribulation. Great trouble. And he went through a list of things in the book of Revelation that uses uh, the adjective great to describe those things. And, and so not great in the sense of being awed by them, but in the intensity and the forcefulness of that particular uh, thing he was dealing with, whether it be great tribulation or great trouble. I'm going to tell you that we've got to have more than just good church to counter the great problems of the last day that we are in. But if there's going to be great tribulation, we've got to have great church. If there is going to be great trouble, we've got to have great power. We've got to have great glory. We've got to have great revival. Oh, hallelujah. There's got to be something happening in the times that we are living in. I, and, and, and I'm not, it uh, sounds like, and, and I do feel that I'm shifting gears just a little bit. However, not so much that I'm disconnected from what we have already been hearing preached. Because I believe it's preaching like we have just heard that will empower us 
and cause us to tap into what God is really wanting to do. What God desires in the last day with his people. It is not the will of God that we continue to have a defeatist attitude. That we have a defeatist spirit about us. But it's the will of God that we be victorious. Hallelujah. Come on. There's too many of us that are living with a victim mentality. When we ought to be living with a victory. A victor's mentality. Amen. I believe that there's a sovereign work going on. I believe that something's happening in the world that we live in. I have to believe that. We're getting reports from various continents around the world of great works that are being done. I just had an opportunity, and I'm not going to get into a lot of details here, but I had, I've had opportunity this year to speak to several missionaries from their foreign base or their home base from which they work from. And the reports that are coming in are astounding. The reports that are flowing in are great from Africa to India and, and Philippines and other areas around the world. God is moving in a powerful measure. And I am standing here today to say to the American church, the same God that can turn the hearts of Trinitarian preachers in Africa to, to the knowledge of truth, that same God can begin to function and operate here in our, in our nation. I don't just want to say thank God for what he's doing in Africa, what he's doing in the Philippines, what he's doing in India. But I want to get reports from the United States of America that the same God is turning the hearts of men and that there is a revival of truth. Oh, hallelujah. You've got to hear me today. I'm telling you, if that work is being done in Africa, that tells me he wants to do it here. He wants to do it here. He wants to do it in this nation. Somebody say amen. amen. What I feel so strong in the Holy Ghost is that if we're not careful... We will lose the moment. We will miss the signal of what God is trying to do by his spirit. And there's a reason for that. Amen. And that is, I, I, I use this story because it describes what I want to preach about for a few minutes. And that is that when Jesus came to Gadara and he encountered this demoniac, Jesus doesn't go to the Gadara because somebody called on him. It wasn't a Lazarus situation where the sisters were appealing for Jesus to come and help out. And it wasn't other circumstances that Jesus was responding to. He was in Gadara by his will. He was in Gadara because he chose to be in that place. Amen. And so he arrives. And there is this demoniac. 
that approaches him falls down and worships him. A man with a legion of devils. Some 6,000 devils. And I know you've heard this. I know many of you have heard the cliche. And I'm just going to go ahead and use it again today. That if 6,000 devils could not stop one man from bowing down and worshiping Jesus Christ, then what are you and I so afraid of? What are you and I allowing so many things to stop us, to paralyze us? Hallelujah. Why are we letting bitterness and anger and strife among us? Why are we allowing things to hinder what God wants to do in our midst? And so, the Bible describes this man as a man that, they, that he lived in the tombs and in the mountains. And that he was often in the nighttime crying, screaming. This man, they made an effort to bind him with fetters and with chains. And no man could bind him. But Jesus comes along. He's not interested in binding the man. He's interested in loosing the man. Funny how we deal with things and how God deals with it. It's funny how we work with situations and God works with it. We're trying to bind it and God's trying to loose it. If we could just get on the page God's on. Come on, let me preach. I'm telling you what I felt. I'm feeling this in the Holy Ghost. And so he heals the man, gets him, puts him back in his right mind. He's clothed. And here's... I don't want to really preach about the demoniac. I don't want to preach about his possession. What I want to direct your attention to is the fact that the word went out. That a great miracle, a great deliverance had taken place. And they come to Jesus. And they see him that was possessed with the devil. And had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. Now I want you to understand what's going on here. These people had become familiar with this situation. They had reached a point in this particular uh, case of the demoniac that they realized we can't control it. Uh, and we can't bring it under hand and we can't bind it. And so we're going to have to just acclimate ourselves to this demoniac being in our midst. And in the nighttime when he screams and cries, we'll just have to one more time comfort the babies and, and quieten them down and tell them everything is going to be all right. But we're just going to have to live with this situation. They became familiar with the demoniac. They were familiar with his antics that he, that he uh, performed. And, and the problem is uh, that they, they came to a point where that when they saw the man clothed and in his right mind, that they preferred the demon to the demonstration of the power of deliverance. Hallelujah. They had become so familiar with, with what it took to deal with the situation that they couldn't wrap their brain around the fact that God's got another way of dealing with it. They were again familiar with his cries in the nighttime. 
They were familiar with trying to bind him with fetters and chains only to see him break free. They came to realize this is a situation that cannot be conquered. So we're just going to have to learn to live with it. And while there's a man in their midst that's bound by a legion of devils, the people, the city, and the countryside are bound by the familiarity of his condition. The reality is they were in bondage to the familiar. And that's what I want to preach on a few minutes here this afternoon. The bondage of the familiar. I'm just going to tell you, we got to be careful that we don't get to a point in living for God and working for God and going to church that we get familiar with our devils. We get familiar with situations we don't know what to do with anything about. Oh, help me, help me, help me, Lord. Holy Ghost, help me. Amen. And we reach a point where that we miss what God is trying to do. That we, we're, we're in bondage to the familiar. We're in bondage to things that, that really in reality, if we're not careful, they cause us, amen, to be distracted from that which God would design to do in our midst. You've already heard the preaching. I can't go back and re-preach that or anything else that's already been preached. But you've heard the messages. And you've heard what's been preached. What, what Brother Archer did today was endeavor to try to get some of us to get past some of these things that we're allowing the adversary to, to stifle us with and to paralyze us with and to keep us in a place where that we're never successful doing anything for God. We get in bondage to the familiar. And, and, I, I, and I, I, am a, I have a fear as we watch where we are in the apostolic movement. There's nothing like the church in all of the world. And I'm just going to tell you, friend, that even in this nation, we are at a point where that, that our talent and our ability and the things that God has so blessed us with. Amen. Have you enjoyed the singing around here? It doesn't get any better than this. It doesn't get any more enjoyable than this. The harmony, the music, the talent, the ability. I stand back awed at what God has blessed us with. But if we're not careful, we can reach a point where that we get into such a place of familiarity that we fail to realize that all of this that God's blessed us with is nothing more than a vehicle to, 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 tra to carry us into the presence of God and into a dimension where the Holy Ghost can work. The Holy Ghost can operate and God can see the work accomplished that he has designed to accomplish. Somebody asked me yesterday, how long, how long you been knowing Tim Spell? I said, 45 years. I had to think. I had to think about how long it was. It was two years old, right. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
I'm 61 and he is 60. So let's make that clear right now. I only have one year on him. Amen. But we go back. We go back. All the way back. We were reminiscing about revival in, in their home church back in the early 80s when my wife and I and our children were traveling at that time. And, and, and the great works and the great things. I'm just going to tell you, friend, I have reached a point. I know 45 years of preaching, but I am not interested in taking a back seat and just coasting along and living a life of familiarity that I'm just comfortable with where I am. I'm comfortable with what I'm seeing going on. There's something inside my spirit that says there's some more demoniacs that need to be delivered. There's some more works that need to be accomplished. There's a great revival that I believe that God still wants to place in this world. up I said I'm not backing up there's too much to be done there's too many souls going to hell there's too many churches that need revival and I see Jesus for the booker I see Jesus dealing with this business of familiarity in many places in his ministry I see him as he's dealing with this attitude. And, and the word tells us that, that whenever he came to the temple, in Matthew 21 and 12, Jesus went into the temple of God. And he cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple. And he overthrew, overthrew the tables of the money changers. And the seats of them that soul does. Now before I go any further, I really shouldn't have to qualify this. Amen. I'm not preaching today about the familiarity of landmarks. Hallelujah. The reference points of truth. And I don't even need it. I, I... Hallelujah. Come on. Don't, don't sit back and, 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 and try to figure out where I'm going. I'm preaching here today what I feel like the Holy Ghost wants us to get a hold of in these times. I've got no interest in removing the landmark of repentance, of water baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Those things are not just familiar things, as, they, as we've already heard. They are the bedrock foundation uh, that identifies who we are and what we are. So let's just settle that right now. He said to them, it's written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Now, as best as I can understand, what was going on at the temple was when they would bring a sacrifice to the door to, to offer it to God, that there'd be somebody there to check the sacrifice out. It didn't matter how good it was. They'd say that one's not good enough. You got to go over there to that table and sell it to that guy. And whenever you get the money from him, the money you get from him is not good in the temple. So you got to go over here to the money changer's table and get temple money. And when you get through here, then you go back to that man's table and buy you an acceptable sacrifice. The problem was 
they were getting lied to and cheated every step of the way. They were getting cheated whenever they were told their sacrifice wasn't good enough, even though they had done everything in their power to ensure that it was an acceptable one. And whenever they sold it, they got shortchanged. When they went to the money changers, they were shortchanged. When they went over and bought the next one, and sometimes uh, it was likely that they even bought the same sacrifice that they had just left at the front door because somebody ran it around to the back door. The problem I have here when I read this is how long had this been going on? How long had this been taking place? And everybody coming to church just figured this is the way it's supposed to be. This is the way things ought to be. It just, I mean, this is normal church. We're familiar with this. We're familiar with being shortchanged. We're familiar with being cheated. But to me, the greatest act of thievery that was going on in that house is where Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have stolen the purpose of my house. Oh, help me, help me, Jesus. Hallelujah. You have stolen the reason why that my house is even in existence. You made it a den of thieves because you thought this is a house of prayer. Oh, hallelujah. I'm here today to tell you that this is more than a place where you parade your latest fashion. It's more than a place where that you parade your latest song or your latest talent or ability. Come on, this is the church. This is where prayer ought to be going on. This is where supplication and intercession and giving of thanks ought to be taking place. Huh? Amen. They just got familiar with coming to church. This is where we're going to have it. And some folks come to the house of worship and if we hadn't had three songs testimony service and, and 30 minute sermon out for all them Christianettes out there. Hallelujah. Then they're not happy. They're not happy. But when Jesus cleaned the house out and he reestablished the purpose of the house, the next thing you find going on is the, line, the lame and the blind are coming in the house. when we get tired of just being able to somehow determine how this service is going to be and somehow we have got it down to a science and we know what's going to happen next hallelujah when that starts happening the lame start coming in the house the blind start coming in the house because the door is open to more than just familiar church the door is open to more than the church being subverted to our purpose. Yeah. 
Praise the Lord. Help me, Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to be careful. Because I, 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 I love the ministry. Amen. I'll be a part of it. Hallelujah. But I'm tired of this thing right here being used as a coward's castle to tell a man something out there that they not got guts enough to go to him one-on-one -on -one and talk to him about. Come on, brother. If you've got a personal problem, deal with that on a personal level. But don't subvert the pulpit for your purposes and for your will and the way you want it to be. Come on now. You want it? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. There's been, there's been more damage done all because uh, that somehow the purpose was subverted the purpose was aborted it was stolen in the house of God this is a house of worship I don't know how about you but I'm trying to make it I'm trying to make it And when he said by the mouth of the prophet, if you come in the south gate, I don't, I don't know if I'm using the right the words, the, the right gates or not, but it doesn't matter. If you come out in the south gate, go out the north gate. If you come out the east, come in the east gate, you go out the west gate. Don't go out the same way you came in. For, oh, hallelujah. Let me tell you why there's some leaving the same way they came. It's because somebody has subverted the reason that we're here. We're here for somebody to get healed. We're here for a miraculous work to be, to be done. Hey Amen. Just do what you want to do. Sit down, stand up, run around, jump up and down. But Bishop, it wasn't just that. It wasn't just that. The next thing that happened were the children. The children were in the temple. Crying. Hosanna. And the Bible said leaders, certain leaders, came running to Jesus and said, Whoa, 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 whoa. We, we got we to quiet this down. Let's, let's, let's back this thing off here a little bit. Don't you hear what's going on? And Jesus had a word for them. Have you not read that out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, praise would be perfected? Now let me just let me just tell you something. There's there's two different realms that that's that that that's here present. Number one, you've got the lame and the blind in the house, but you got the children of those who worship in the house also there. And it didn't take much to get the lame there. And it didn't take a lot to get the blind there. Hallelujah. I'm feeling like Brother Archer now. <laughs> it's too late if y'all don't want me to feel at home because I'm already feeling it. Hallelujah. 
Well, see where we are as apostolics. And please, I'm not here to I'm not here to rebuke you or reprove you. I'm, I'm just here. I'm, I'm, try, I'm, I'm just trying to help strengthen exactly what God's trying to do among us. But let me tell you where 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 if we're not careful, where we're going to get. And that is we can we can deign to have familiar church and be comfortable with just getting through a service and going through the motions that our children dry up, die, and go to hell sitting on a church pew. Wait a minute, let me tell you something. When a drug addict comes in here, when an alcoholic comes in, when somebody who knows they need God, when they walk in that door and they've never been in an apostolic church service, everything in the world starts affecting them. Man, I have never heard music like that in a church. I've never heard singing like that in a church. And I've never heard, I've I've never, I've never, I just never, I didn't, I feel something just, and and sometimes what they're feeling is not always God. It's just the emotion of the moment. It's the lyrics of the song. It's what's going on in our worship service. But our children that come on Sunday morning and they come on Sunday night and they come on Tuesday night or Wednesday night or whatever the midweek service or revival services, they hear that singing of a service. And they hear that music of a service. They're familiar. They're familiar with what's going on. They're familiar with the sound. They're familiar with the feel of church. Let me tell you what moves our children to the pot, to the altar. What moves our children to pray and to weep is when there is an unprecedented move of Almighty God in the house. Come on, come on, hallelujah. It's when there is a move of, the, of God. It's when there's a glorious outpouring of the Spirit. seen it happen too many times to believe anything different hallelujah and I'm telling you right now Jesus made it clear it's not when your adults are shouting that praise is perfected it's when it's reached a point that your children are responding that's when praise is perfected I don't know how you feel but I made my mind up a long time ago I want revival because I've got children that I want them to know that the same God that I felt when I was just a child is the same God that they could feel when they were growing up. Come on, God doesn't change, but we can get familiar with our program. We can get familiar with how to have church. And the Lord is saying, do you know what I want to do? Do you know? Come on now. No, we've learned how to live with our devils. We've learned how to live. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you. When a church is really having revival, it's when the babies that you birthed and you brought to church. Amen. I can already hear it now. Boy, it sounds like he's sounds like he's throwing out reach under the bus. No, 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 no. A thousand times no. 
What I'm telling you is the lame and the blind, when they come in, whoo, this is what I've been looking for. But our babies, if there is not a visitation of the Holy Ghost in the house, I'm going to tell you right now, your rules won't keep them here. And your guidelines won't keep them here. And all your standards won't keep them here. Come on. I want the youth of our time to be in love with Jesus and not a Pentecostal culture. culture. Our ladies are the most beautiful in all the world. Hallelujah. Our men are dignified with the Holy Ghost in them when they're lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Huh? I've been there when you got through preaching they got up and told everybody what the weather was and what it's going to be tomorrow. Well, they may as well have. That's about what they were doing. The most inane stuff. Rushing everybody out the door. And I'm thinking, God help us. We've got teenagers. We've got adolescents. I want to tell you why I'm still here. Because I can remember at six years old, at six years old, I can still see it in my mind's eye going down in water in the name of Jesus Christ. I can still remember going to service and when things got tight, looking up there at my daddy and it didn't, it didn't stay tight very long. I'll tell you why it didn't stay tight. Because he wouldn't let it stay that way. And not only that, but there were saints in the house. Our church at that time was 24 feet wide and 36 feet long. We had one aisle about two and a half feet wide down the center. And the pews were up against the outside wall. And there was an old sister about two-thirds of the way back. Her name was Sister Bell. My son's got, has just prayed her, her granddaughter back through to the Holy Ghost a few weeks ago. Hallelujah. Woo! Oh, Sister Bell. When things got tight, my daddy said I could look over there at Sister Bell. She'd be, she'd be sitting up against the wall and said she'd just lean her head over. And when her head touched that wall, he said, you better get ready. Because there was something about to break loose in that house. You know why? Because back then, there were folks that said, we're not just going to have familiar church. We're not just going to go through the motions of having, just getting by, just getting beyond. this afternoon but I'm just going to tell you some of our problem is uh, the reason we don't want it to change is because we're afraid that the new converts are going to take too much of the pastor's time and oh hallelujah or we're afraid what color they're going to be when they come in the door or what socio-economic position they're going to be in Oh, hallelujah. Are we going to have to help pay their bills? Are we going to have to help them out? What are we? No, 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 friend. You've got to decide. It doesn't matter because God puts them in the body. God puts them in the body. He puts weak ones and he puts strong ones in the body. 
And before you start throwing the weak ones under the bus, you better remember he put them in the church. In the temple. And now he's in the synagogue. Praise the Lord. And I just paused here long enough. I hope I got my figures right. But from what I understand, there's only, there's 37 major miracles that are recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Out of that 37, as near as I can remember, and I don't have all this in front of me, it just hit me. But out of that 37, there was only eight of them that were performed either on the Sabbath day or in the synagogue. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Meaning about four times more were performed outside. Part of our problem is we like familiar church. And we think this is the only place they can be healed. And Jesus is saying, if y'all, if you would realize I can perform on Monday, I can perform on Tuesday, I can perform on Wednesday, I can perform on Thursday. I like what Bishop Wilson said last night. To that young lady in his, in his local assembly, get ready. God's got greater things for you. And it don't just have to be right inside the house of worship. It can be outside. We. So he goes to Nazareth. And when he gets to Nazareth and he's teaching in the synagogue, they were astonished. Whence? Hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Whence then has this man all these things? And they were offended in him. Their problem is they couldn't get past the flesh. They were familiar with his flesh. They knew who as it was supposed his father was. They knew the name of his mama. They knew the name of his brothers. They called his brother's names. We know this man. We know who he is. In fact, all of his sisters are here with us. I mean, uh, they could not get past the flesh. They were familiar with his flesh. And they couldn't get past that flesh. They were blinded by his humanity. And they couldn't see his deity. You being man have made yourself God. No, you don't understand. Your problem is you're seeing flesh before you understand the deity. Before you understand there's an incarnate work that's been done right here. I, I'm not just Joseph's boy. And that's the problem. That's the struggle that many of us have when we come to the house of worship. There's so much flesh in the house. You can't get past the flesh. You're familiar with everybody's problems. You're familiar with their struggles. You're familiar with their failures. You're familiar with their mistakes. 
when they come charging out from between the pews and they're running around the building, you're standing back saying, well, what in the world are they running around the church for? I was just with them this past Tuesday. I know what they were talking about and I know what they were doing. Well, I'm just going to tell you there's a lot of time between last Tuesday and today, Sunday. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Some of y'all not hearing me this afternoon. You're so hung up on flesh. If your favorite singer's not up here singing, you can't worship. If your favorite musician's not leading the, uh, playing the music, you can't worship. If your favorite choir director's not up here, forget it. If your favorite preacher's not in the full pit, ain't no preaching going on around here tonight. Let me tell you a problem. You've got so familiar with everything around you. You can't get past all of that. You can't get past the flesh. Let me tell you something. We get so we get we get in our thinking, we get so high and mighty, we get our position, our place, and and, and if I'm not saying it, it's you know, if this if it's you know it's not coming out my chimney, it's not smoke. Amen. I can play that song better than somebody else. Well the one that's playing it now. Oh man, listen to them sing. But I can tell you somebody can sing it better. You know what we do? We do as humans, we get so enamored. There are some things we get so enamored with. Hallelujah. I'm just going to burst some of our bubbles here today. When a sinner walks in that door, I'm just going to tell you something. They don't care who the pastor is. They don't care who's leading the singing. They don't care who's playing the music. There's only one thing they want to know. Is Jesus in the house? It's Jesus in the house. They don't want to know about your clique. They don't want to hear your gossip. Come on. They don't want to know your human opinion. What they want to know is, is Jesus in the house? Is Jesus in the sanctuary? Come on. They want to know, can I get delivered here? Can I get my blinded eyes open? Can I get my deaf ears open? That's all they want to know. Just my God. Hallelujah. Jesus, I love you. I love you. I love you. Somebody shout hallelujah. and messages and there's some of us that feel like if it's not being preached and I left that conference and we didn't hear all the truth we needed to hear 
Some of y'all going to get off board right now. That's all right. I already qualified what I'm preaching. But some of y'all feel like that if we hadn't touched on rings and, and, and cut hair and, 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 and low neck lines and splits in skirts and everything, and we hadn't touched on that, we hadn't had preaching and we hadn't had church. Huh? And so you walk out condemning everything else that's going on around here because your favorite topic hasn't been covered. It just might be, it just might be that that might not be what's needed. What's needed might be what we heard just now and what we heard last night and what we heard yesterday. your church what's wrong with walking out the prayer room and the power of the Holy Ghost pulsating in the house so that nobody can lead singing and nobody can play the music but God's in the house God's in the house
was raised. You hear me? I was raised in an apostolic church. That it wasn't, and I'm not advocating this today, especially now that I'm evangelizing at 61. I am not advocating this. But we had church seven nights a week and twice on Sunday. And there were times that we didn't get out of church till 12 and 1 o'clock in the morning. We carried them out drunk in the Holy Ghost. They went out talking in tongues. that gets a hold of us some of us come to church on our way home but some of us go home on our way back to church Because we can't wait to get back and see what Jesus is going to do. We can't wait to get back. (laughs) I remember, I remember one of my brothers younger than me I remember we were having revival. I mean, every night, we were people were falling out in the Holy Ghost. People were getting the Holy Ghost. And I'm not sure, but I think it was during a six-week period that we had like 36 people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. An incredible time that God was giving us. I remember it was late every night. Some of us, we get worried. We get worried when the clock strikes nine. mercy help me Jesus you would be a whole lot better off trying to wake your babies up in the morning time from from being out late at church the night before in revival than you will down at the detox center trying to get them out of some chemical stupor come on get them in the house of God get them among the power of God Hallelujah. I swear I am just the way it is with me, you know. We, we're just, it's just way, this, this, this is how some people think. It's just my opinion that, that you know, it's just too much trouble. Too much trouble to take my child down there to the youth activities. And I got to go pick them up at 11 o'clock at night. Got to get them at 11 o'clock at night. Well, you'd be better off coming down here at 11 o'clock at night to get your child from a Holy Ghost field youth activity than you would going down to the local jail and trying to bail them out at 3 o'clock in the morning. We need Holy Ghost in the house. We need unfamiliar church. We need church that is power packed. One of my younger brothers, we've been up like midnight or one o'clock in the morning every night. Hey, Amen. He went to school. He went to school one morning. 
and, 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 and he got so tired, he got so sleepy that he laid his head over on the desk. And when he laid his head over on the desk, he started dreaming about church. He started dreaming about the power of God falling. God is my witness. This is a fact, folks, what I'm telling you with my hand up. Hallelujah. I'm t- if, you're, if, if you're not in, old enough to know about Wendy, then you just you miss that one. Hallelujah. But, but he had his head down, and he got to dreaming about being in church, and he dreamed about shouting himself. And when he woke up, he was shouting all over the classroom. And everybody's looking at him saying, what's going wrong with Kelly? You just hear me today. We got to have something going on that people cannot predict. They don't need to predict what's going on around here. They don't need to predict what kind of church we're going to have. child in her arms said to the servant get me a get me a donkey ready I'm going to the man of God and she said they said to her it ain't the right day not the right time it's not the new moon and it's not the Sabbath it's not the new moon and it's not the Sabbath let me tell you why we're not seeing some things outside the building That we really ought to be seeing. Are you the light of the world? Are you the salt of the earth? Do you have Holy Ghost power inside of you? Don't you think when you go on your job that there ought to be enough Holy Ghost emanating out of you? Somebody walks by you and says, What's that I feel? And she said, I'm going to tell you right now, it may not be the new moon and it may not be the Sabbath, but I'm going to the preacher because i got to have a miracle. I don't care what time it is. It may not be in your estimation the right time. And that's, that's what Jesus encountered on, on my third illustration real quickly here. On that third one, I don't have to preach all this. I, I'm, I'm not one to feel like you got to preach all your notes. I promise you that because i got some more stuff I could say that I'm not going to. He went to the synagogue. He went to the synagogue, and there was a man in the synagogue with a withered hand. Think of that. Yep. He had a handicap. Uh-huh. He had a handicap that prevented him from being as productive as he could be as a man. Like the bishop preached last night, he wasn't a whole man. He wasn't the ideal. He had a withered hand. And everybody watched Jesus. Is he going to heal on the Sabbath day? That they might accuse him. And he said to the withered man, stand forth. Get up. Stand forth. Then he looked at everybody and said, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day or to do evil, to save life or to kill? And they held their peace. And when he looked round about on them with 
anger. This is one of the few times you find Jesus angry. And when he was angry, he was angry in the house of worship. I tell you what, when he comes, I don't want him looking around angry. I don't want him looking around angry. I want him looking around saying, Woo, I like what's going on around here. I was at home taking care of the services this past weekend for my son while he was gone. First time I've done that. I texted him Sunday morning early and I said, I'm either gonna, I'm either gonna enjoy this or I'm gonna break out in hives today. It was, it was ripping Sunday night. I mean, we were having church. People were getting the Holy Ghost. Good things were happening. God was doing miracles were taking place. I believe that. Amen. And, and I, I was exhorting a little bit along the line. I said, God likes this. And as the Spirit rose up and said, how do you know God likes it? And I thought, well, let's see here. Uh, it's written. But where is it written? And I mean, just like that, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, you tell that, you tell that aggravating spirit. I like it. And here's why I like it. He said to Job, stand up. Gird yourself like a man. I want to talk to you a little bit. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? And about three verses down, he said, when the morning stars sang and the sons of God shouted for joy. And I told the church Sunday night, I wasn't there when the morning stars sang or the, or the sons of God shouted for joy. But I got here as quick as I can. And now I'm a son of God. And I'm just going to happen to join in with what sons of God do. I just want to make this statement real quick here. Now, it's simply, we've got people that come among us, as, the, as Brother Archer so ably communicated, and gave us some hope, gave us some sense of assurance by the Word of God. Amen. We've got those who come among us that, that, are, that have a withered hand. They, their ability to be productive in the things of God, in the work of God, is hindered because there's a handicap in their life. But some of us have got, we've got so enamored. Oh, help me, Jesus. With this business of, 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 of trying to figure out who's right, who's wrong, who's good, who's bad, and who's up, who's down, and everything else, that we stop, we fail to realize that there's a grace of God moving in the house. And there's a mercy of God that's working in among us. Hallelujah. And the Lord is saying, if there's any place that a child of God ought to be able to bring their handicap, it ought to be right here. The last place that we ought to have to hide our handicap is in the house of God. Hallelujah. I'm quitting. I'm not dumb, but I'm quitting. I'm telling you right now that God is wanting to do a sovereign work. And some of us need to get past some of our familiarity. We need, to, we need to get out of our box. 
that everything's got to be done this, 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 and this. And if it's not, forget it. It's over with. I'm done with church. It's time to go home. I'm telling you, it might just be that Jesus wants to walk in the house and contrary to whether it's Sabbath day or not, He wants to heal a withered hand. He wants to heal a withered hand. He wants to heal a handicap. I don't want no tearjerker. No. Preach. Preach in song right now. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, church, it's time for us to get past this business of being bound to familiarity. We ought to come around here and say, you can't predict church here. I can just tell you that right now. We might start off with a song and we might not. We may have preaching and we may not. We may get to the choir and we may not. Hey, choir, I don't care how long you practice. Don't worry about it. If you get to sing your song, that's good. But, but beyond your song, we got to have a visitation. Our babies need the Holy Ghost. Our six-year-olds need to get the Holy Ghost. Our four-year-olds need to get the Holy Ghost. What kind of you church do what you want is, to do. is it? It's an apostolic church. What kind of church is it? It's an apostolic church. What kind of church is this? It's an apostolic church. It's a 